Uh, so before we get in, stuck into our passage today, um, I want to ask us all a question. And I believe we can all agree having an intimate relationship is important. So what does building an intimate relationship look like for you? Is it quality time, a quantity of time, physical affection, or deep emotional support? Well, as Christians, uh, there is one relationship where building intimacy matters the most, more so than with your spouse, your family, or friends. And that is our relationship with God. And is it clear in the Bible that it's only through Jesus that an intimate relationship with God is found? But what does that look like? Well, in the passage that we just read, uh, this is what Jesus unpacks for us as he continues to speak with his disciples. So today, in three points, uh, looking firstly at why an intimate relationship with God is important, and then thinking about how this intimate relationship looks like in our lives, and then thinking about the reality of persecution in our intimate relationship with God, we're going to see what an intimate relationship with God looks like for us and for all those who desire to follow Jesus. So we're at point one, why an intimate relationship is important. So read with me from verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. What every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of my words I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, we might not understand the weight of these words, but for the disciples that Jesus was speaking to, these words were profound. They were profound because all throughout the Old Testament, which the disciples would know very, very well, Israel, God's chosen nation, was described as God's vineyard, and they were tasked to bear good fruit. But this wasn't to be the case. Israel, in its history, was unfaithful to God and failed to bear any good fruits at all. And now Jesus appears and declares himself to be the true vine that, uh, that will bear good fruit. In short, this is what Jesus is saying. I am God's true and precious vine. And if you desire to follow me, I want you to remain in me. Because it is only when you remain in me are you able to, one, be in an intimate relationship with God, and two, be able to bear good fruits just like how God expects all of his people. But what is this fruit that Jesus speaks of? Well, this fruit that Jesus speaks of could mean the fruits of evangelism, so the people that we have witnessed to as Christians and have come to know Christ. It could also mean the characteristics of a Christian life, uh, like love, patience, kindness. Uh, but I believe that this fruit actually embraces both. Uh, this fruit is a fruit of obedient, sacrificial love, which will be a witness to the world winning people to Christ. And, and this is what we're going to be seeing over and over again in our passage today. 
But returning back to the metaphor of the vine, uh, Jesus speaks of two types of branches. A branch that does not remain in the vine and a branch that does remain in the vine. Uh, And it's only when we understand the characteristics uh, and the fate of these two branches do we understand why it's so important that we as Christians have an intimate relationship with God. So let's firstly look at the branch that does not remain in the vine. This is what Jesus says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You see, the branch that does not remain in Jesus is a branch that bears no fruit. And because it, is, it bears no fruit, it's simply cut off. Now, I have to admit, I don't know much about gardening. Um, it really goes to the extent of some plants need more water or more sun than other plants. But luckily, Jesus tells us in verse 6 what he means. So jump down to verse 6 with me and read this. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. You see, the branches that are cut off are in a path of destruction. They are cut off, thrown to the side, left there, so one day they can be thrown into the fire to be destroyed. And Jesus says, if you do not remain in me, you will not have an intimate relationship with God, and your fate is like that of the branch that you will be cut off from God and are in line for destruction. But what about the branch that does remain in the vine? Well, there are two things that we must know. The first thing comes at the back of Jesus telling us to remain in him. So verse 4, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. You see, Jesus doesn't say, If you remain in me, then I will remain in you. Jesus says that as Christians who believe and trust Jesus, Jesus already resides in us through the Holy Spirit. We were reminded last week of who the Holy Spirit is. We were reminded that the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God that gives us peace, that teaches us and reminds us of Jesus' teachings. And so just as the Holy Spirit remains in us in a very intimate relationship, Jesus says, remain in me. You see, even though we are called to actively try and remain in Jesus, we can be assured to know that as Christians, even when we fail to, when we stumble, when we fail, Christ already is and will always remain in us. What an amazing comfort that is. Well, the second thing that we must know uh, is that the branch who remains in Jesus will be pruned. Read verse 2 with me again. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So last week um, I stumbled upon this really interesting video about a master at the art of bonsai. Uh, And the video really went on about why he owned this custom-made pruning scissors that cost him $10,600. $10,600 for a pair of scissors. And as he explained why it was worth spending that much money, 
I figured that it really boiled down to one thing. And this is what he said, I quote, to take care of my bonsais, I must prune it to encourage it to grow healthy and strong. This means I have to hurt it without damaging it. Now, I'm not gonna question whether it's worth buying a $10,600 pair of scissors. I'm not gonna question whether it's worth it or not. The guy's a master at it, so he sure knows what he's doing. But this is the image that Jesus paints for us as well. Just like how this master takes great care in taking care of his bonsais, for those who remain in Jesus, God will carefully but deliberately prune us. It may hurt a little bit, it may be uncomfortable, but by these painful experiences, whatever they may be, it is so we can grow stronger in our faith and continue to bear good fruit. You see, as branches that remain in Jesus, not only do we receive life from Jesus, like how fruits of the vine will get its nutrients from the vine, we are also cared for by the gardener, God, who will sometimes, with painful scissors, prune us. So why is it so important to have an intimate relationship with God? It is because as Christians, we are called to bear good fruit, and without remaining in Jesus, that will never happen. And as a result, we'll be like a branch that is cut away, ready to be destroyed. But what does remaining in Jesus actually look like in our daily lives? So at point two, an intimacy founded in sacrificial love. You see, as we think about intimate relationships, we often think about how you can relate better to a certain someone. We often think that we can be spending more and more time personally with that person. And we often think that this is also the case with God. But you see, if this is what we think, then the reality is we will never be able to truly have an intimate relationship with God. And Jesus from verse 9 to 11 shows us why. So read with me from verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, Jesus first was loved by God. And as a response, Jesus was obedient to God's commands. And because he was obedient, he continued to remain in God's love. And likewise, Jesus says, just as like he was obedient to God, and just like how he loved us before we loved him, we too are also to be obedient to Jesus, the true and precious vine that gives life. Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, be obedient to my commands. But let me pause here for a second because I think it's an important thing to address. My general feeling is when we hear the words commands and obedience, we tend to cringe a little bit. Most of us have grown up uh, and been molded in a society that has a humorous disregard for authority. Uh, so we tend to see command and obedience as a sort of killjoy, where life cannot be enjoyed to the fullest. 
But you see, Jesus tells us that to live life to the fullest, life where joy is complete, is only found when we are, we are obedient to him. Read again with me from verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Obedience to commands is not a killjoy, but it makes joy complete. You see, this joy is not some cheap emotion as well. It's not a joy that changes according to life experiences. This joy is the delight of a Christian who is obedient to the words of God and is reminded what the obedience of Jesus has achieved on the cross. You see, Jesus experienced the joy of a completely fruitful life. And this was because he was obedient to God. And this is why Jesus tells us to be obedient to his commands. Jesus desires us to share in that same fruitful joy. Because it is only when we are obedient are we reminded of Jesus' joy in his obedience to God. So what is this command that we are to be obedient to? Well, read with me in the very next verse. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life for one's friend. So as Christians who desire to have an intimate relationship with God, as Christians who are told that we must remain in Jesus, Jesus says that we must love brothers and sisters. But did you notice what type of love we are to have? Jesus isn't talking about that Hollywood type of love where we find love in the most unexpected of places. Nor is he talking about that love where it's all about a candlelit dinner and sharing the next the person opposite you with affection. No, Jesus here is talking about a love that is defined by sacrifice. Jesus says we are to love one another just as he has loved us. This is a love that would send the true precious vine, an innocent man, to die on the cross as a guilty man, bearing the the weight of sin so that we can be forgiven. Jesus says that an intimate relationship with God is one that remains in him, And the way that it is seen in our lives is that we are obedient to Jesus and love one another sacrificially. And I really want us to feel the weight of these words. Because what this means for us is that we need to think about ourselves less and think about others more. It means that we need to have it in our nature where we'll put out the interests of others before our own, just like how Jesus did when he went onto the cross to die for us. Jesus then goes on and finishes the section with these words. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, 
but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You see, those who remain in the vine, those who are obedient to Jesus, will continue to live a life that wants to bear fruit. This is why Jesus says, whatever you ask in my, uh, in my name, the Father will give you. This doesn't mean that God is a genie, uh, a divine vending machine that would make anything plonk out of the sky. A Christian who remains in the vine will pray for fruits, for this is the will of God. And we'll be praying this because of the life given to us by Jesus. You see, an intimate relationship with God isn't just about reading your Bibles more. It isn't just about consistency of your personal devotions or even coming to church more regularly. And intimacy with God moves beyond ourselves. It's not just a two-way relationship. An intimate relationship with God is one where we love others sacrificially. For it is when we love each other sacrificially that we are reminded of the love that was poured out to us on the cross. An intimate relationship with God is about unity with the other branches on the true and precious vine. But as we move along in what Jesus is teaching, uh, Jesus is also very realistic about what it looks like for us as we strive to have an intimate relationship with God. So read with me from point three. So we're point three, I mean, sorry. uh, The reality of persecution. Read with me from verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I have told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they would persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they would obey yours also. You see, even before the crucifixion, Jesus was constantly persecuted for loving his disciples. Time and time again, Jesus would be attacked for preaching and telling everyone that he was the true precious vine. And Jesus says here to all those who want to remain in him, to not think for one moment that you won't also be attacked for preaching and living in an intimate relationship with God. Jesus says, we are not greater than him. And if Jesus went through persecution, so will we. It's a little bit like being a fan of a sporting team. Now, I don't know if this is because of the the sports I follow, but because I'm a fan of certain teams, when something happens to that team, like say they lose, or someone gets fired, or someone does something wrong, other fans of the sport, all in good fun, will mock me, laugh at me, and sometimes in extreme cases, hurl insults at me. And this is all because I supported that team. Well, this is what Jesus says as well. 
but to an even greater extent. Jesus says, because you remain in me, just like how the world hates me, they will also hate you. But none of this is in good fun. You see, friends, for those who call themselves a Christian, do not be surprised if you face opposition for your faith. Do not be surprised if at work people mock you, speak behind your back, disassociate themselves from you, all because you are a Christian. Do not be surprised when the world hurls insult at you over Facebook, over any type of social media, saying that if you are a Christian, you're a backwards, you're a bigot, or a lowlife. And this might sound a little bit strange, and I'm not trying to undermine how hurtful these comments or actions may be, but this, in fact, should be a comfort for all those who are Christians. Because it is by these oppositions does it show that we truly remain in Jesus. Again in verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you, not, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is the why the world hates you. You see, it is only when we remain in Jesus and not in the world will we experience this hate. The world won't hate you if we didn't remain in Jesus. So the truth is that we can find great comfort in our opposition when we're at work, on the streets, or as members of society because we are reminded that God chose us to be his children and for us to have eternal life and experience life to the full. You see, friends, despite persecution, we're called to love one another, just like how Jesus had loved us while being persecuted. And in all of this, while the world hurls insult, the world will be able to see Christ's love, Jesus' love on the cross played out amongst his people. As we come closer and closer to Easter, we're reminded that Jesus was persecuted. And even though this persecution will leave him hanging there on the cross, suffocating under his own blood, Jesus did this because he loved us. Therefore, we can be confident, knowing that as we love one another, that the love of the cross will be revealed to the world as well. This is why I say the fruit that we're called to bear embraces both sacrificial love and a winning of people to Christ. So what does this all mean for us today? Well, firstly, it means that we have to believe that Jesus is the true vine that gives life. It means that we must remain in Jesus and only Jesus so that we can bear fruit and have an intimate relationship with God. It means that we are to be obedient to all his commands. It means that we are to love one another sacrificially. Because it is only when we love one another that we experience true intimacy with God. Spiritual intimacy is about unity and community rather than just a personal connection with God. And lastly, 
The call to love one another in persecution draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to God because it reminds us of the joy Jesus experienced as he was obedient to God. As he would bear the weight of our sins to be nailed to the cross, to die so that we can experience the fullness of life. I'm going to finish with the words that Jesus said and then I'm going to pray. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, or every branch that, he do- that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You sent your Son to die on the cross for us so that we can have the fullness of life. Lord, we pray that we, we remain in Jesus, that your Spirit will help us love one another sacrificially despite opposition from the world. We pray that you help us remain obedient and prune us so that we can bear much fruit. We pray that we are obedient to your son, that we can have a complete joy and be reminded of the joy of your son's obedience. We pray this in your son's mighty name. Amen.